welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey-West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are reviewing the Woody Allen movie Midnight in Paris, starring Owen Wilson, Rachel McAdams, lots of other people in this movie as well. We'll talk about that later in the episode. We also have our guest host today, Mandy Shannon, our first female guest host here on the show. Welcome to the show. Yay! We are so excited. Well, we are so excited to have you. Thank you so much, Mandy. And you all have heard me. I've actually talked about Mandy before. I've said friend of the pod, shout out to Mandy several times. Mandy is also the one who does not like violent movies. So I will watch the violent ones for her. Thank Um, you. But Mandy and I have met and became instant friends, basically sisters. And we have acted in multiple plays in Dayton together. But by day, she is an academic librarian at Wright State University. Woohoo! I don't know their, uh, what's their mascot? Are the Raiders? <gasps> Go Ooh, Raiders! The Raiders. Yeah, Raider up! <laughs> Go Raiders! But um, Mandy is very, very intelligent. She knows everything about history. She is just culturally aware, beautiful, funny, talented, a wife, a mother to two. And we are so happy to have her. I am so happy to be here, and I feel like I can just leave now because you said so many nice things, but um, <laughs> it's it's very fun because, as Katie knows, I talk to this podcast all the time. It's just going to mm-hmm. be fun to be able to do this like where you guys actually hear me because usually we're all having a conversation in my car. You just don't know it. Yeah, yeah, and I talk and- to you half the time when we're recording. <laughs> And Mandy, uh, shocking that you're a librarian and you like this movie. Uh, I know. I know. (laughs) I am nothing if not a stereotype of myself. (laughs) So we will uh, talk about Midnight in Paris today. But first, Mandy, being on the show as a guest host, we have to get your opinions on some celebrities that we talk about a lot on this show. Um, We didn't we didn't put Tom Hanks on this list, but we should probably mention what are your thoughts on Tom Hanks? I adore Tom Hanks. And fun fact, the view from my office window is the Tom Hanks motion center for motion pictures. I should know the official name of it. My view from from my window is the Tom Hanks building. Oh, very um, nice. And yeah. I knew that, Jared, because even though I hadn't met Mandy when I moved here, I went to Wright State so that I could see that building because I knew it was affiliated with Tom Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> so I very love nice. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Is he ever there? Have you ever seen him, you know, come into the I, building that has his name? Not not on the regular, but I have seen him from afar. Oh, okay. Very so, yeah, nice. Katie has, has also there. seen him once in person. I have yes, not. I almost had a heart attack. It was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> where did so, you see him do i know he this? came he was doing so the indy 500 where jared and i are from in indianapolis huge big deal every year and they have all these celebrities and during i think it was during COVID, wasn't it jared it was or for right some before it was for a movie like, i feel like too he yeah, was, was promoting the, yeah he was promoting a movie and he was doing something with veterans okay. and he came to talk but i don't remember COVID came up because i don't think a lot of people could be there at one time but my dad entered some contest and he was like, yeah, I'm never going to win this. But I guess and then he won and he got two That's tickets amazing. to go hear a Tom Hanks talk. And then he even said, like, I don't even really know if I want to go. And I was like, I will go, Dad, <laughs> as if there was even a question of who right. would be his date to this. Right. Basically. And Dad had a good time, but we had to be there on Godly early. I think we had to be there at four or five a.m., like at the track. And Worth then it. we had to sit in a room for a long time and then we had to be separated from other people. 
but he came in, he talked to people. So we breathed the same air and he said, there's a snake in my boots in the voice of Woody. And I have a recording of that. I recorded a lot of him talking because I just wanted to prove to people that I was there, but it was such a great day. And he did, I swear to you, make eye contact with me in the crowd because I was actually quite close at one point. Um, And I just smiled and didn't say anything and just tried to keep my heart rate to a minimum. So I love Tom Hanks. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before. <laughs> so uh, going from Tom Hanks, we'll quickly run through these other people. Um, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, B- uh, Ben Affleck, uh, Jennifer Lopez, and Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that is a mixed bag. Okay, you can be so, honest. We will I, love okay. you no matter what. I'm Well, okay. So Katie, mm-hmm. I think I like Ryan Reynolds more than you do. No. He is, he is no. so sorry. So, here's the thing. I don't think he's a good actor. He is he is a okay. one he, he is a one note actor. Yeah. But I find one trick him, pony. Yeah. He, <laughs> he is, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing remarkable about anything he's in yes. or does, but it's he's still likable. And I want to like be very clear. This is not yes. like crush alert kind of things. Okay. I I find him okay, I was thinking about this when I when I like texted you like i think at some point we yes. need to uh, acknowledge Talk about that we have different feelings about ryan reynolds yes. so i find him really appealing and like i just it's like a generally positive affect mm-hmm. but i was thinking about it and i'm like i think he's the anti jeff goldblum because <laughs> jeff goldblum is not like traditionally attractive right right but i know a lot of people who are very attracted to him Whereas I think Ryan Reynolds is like, you know, he's an attractive person. He's what we but call a like, snack. It, yes, he is. A, okay. <laughs> yes, he is a snack. <laughs> but not necessarily like there's not like a whole lot of, I don't. Right. I, but see, I think he's, I don't know. He's just, I'm I'm watching now the new docu-series on yes. him and Rob McElhinney buying the Wrexham mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Soccer team. And it's, th- yes. Yeah. Um, it's really good. Hmm. So okay. He, I, I actually agree with you more than you think. I don't yeah. hate the man. And I actually, I love him and Blake Lively together. They make me really yes. happy. I yes. just think. Yeah, I feel like he's not an actor with substance or an actor, really. I think he seems like a fun person to hang out with. Yes, I think he seems very likable. I think that he's he seems like he would be a decent person to have a conversation mm-hmm. with. He's He, I think, does a lot without being over the top about it. I think he does a lot to break down some toxic masculinity things because he yeah. talks very openly about anxiety and insecurity and imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. which I don't think a lot of people would expect from kind of like this A-list yeah. superhero movie star. So yep. I don't know. I find him likable. Hmm. Okay. What about Chris Pratt though? Oh no, not at all likable. <laughs> okay. Terrible. <laughs> Same page there. So excellent. And then, any thoughts what? on Benifer getting remarried? I mean, okay. So we've acknowledged uh, that I am of a different generation sure. than you, and so I remember the first go round of Benifer. <laughs> yes, quite well. Um, and it's like, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah, do, I, yeah. I, I do not. It, it's kind. That's where I'm at with Benifer. It's like, okay, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. that's kind of where we are. So that that's makes right. sense. I feel that so. way too. I, I love love. I'm happy for them. I wonder if it's going to sure. last. I'm a little jealous sure. of these like back-to-back honeymoons and elaborate weddings. But part of me is just like, man, that would have been nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it, there's a certain point where it just it feels like it's for show. It does. It just seems so yes. exhausting. Yes. And mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, if you want to go to it. Italy, like I get it, I'm on board, but yeah. does it need to be a show? It just no. everything <laughs> feels staged and choreographed. And agreed. Like, like yeah. you're happy. if Tom Good. Hanks invited me for a walk in Paris, like would I go for You'd the walk? Say no. Sure. <laughs> now, would I take a photo of it? No. no really? Yeah, I would take a photo. <laughs> you would. You would. He hire would take a, a selfie with you. I would hire someone to follow us. Yes. Around. But yeah, yeah, I get. Uh, other than that example, I get what you're saying. <laughs> okay. So before we get into our recommends and our thoughts on Midnight in Paris, we have Don't Worry Darling, which is coming out in about a month. In the last uh, week or so, this well, there's already drama with this movie, but I feel like it's gotten more pronounced even in the last week, 10 days. Um, there's tons of stuff that has been going on. First, of course, Olivia Wilde breaks up with Jason Sudeikis then gets served the papers at CinemaCon while she's on stage talking about Don't Really Darling. Her and Harry Styles are now together. Florence Pugh wasn't happy that that relationship happened during the filming of the movie and since has not been promoting the movie much on her social media mm-hmm. at all. Um, then you have this whole other situation with Shia LaBeouf that just came up a couple days ago where he was supposed to be in the movie He's not, as far as I know, but he was on set and Olivia Wilde was like, please stay and and be in this movie. Um, and other people in the cast were like, no, we really don't want him in this movie. As That's as far as I understand it. Mandy, I know you've researched a little bit more, but it seems I like just, that I was like kind of the... This is the messiest rabbit hole <laughs> I have so ever jumped down. It's so messy because apparently the Shia LaBeouf part mm-hmm. is that like he was originally going to play the Harry Styles character mm-hmm. role. Okay. And then depending yep. on who you ask, either Olivia Wilde fired him because she has a no a hole policy on her mm-hmm. set, which is what she said, although Quote unquote. different mm-hmm. word. Um but but he says that no, she's doing that for clickbait and that mm-hmm. he had scheduling conflicts and has asked her to stop promoting that narrative that she fired him yeah. i love that he said he had scheduling conflicts because he's you know he's just in so many so movies high <laughs> yes. he's such a so high demand star is coming soon yeah uh, thank you yeah also okay so i did want to comment one of the things i read that made a lot of sense to me is that florence Pugh is not doing any of the press because she's also promoting several other movies and is working on dune 2 right now which is true and so she knew ahead of time she wasn't going to be able to do anything, but there's one event that she is going to go to. And so that makes sense to me. And that would also be easy clickbait for people to be like, hey, these two, these women hate each other. They're jealous over a dude, blah, blah, blah. So that I believe I also I don't I really like Florence and I really like Olivia. So I don't really want to take a side. I will say I don't really believe Shia. He's also said he's Catholic now. He's found God. Um, He's talked about how he has a daughter now and his whole life has changed. I'm like, good for you, but you're still a, um, you know, insert word here. And he also in the same paragraph, he wrote this long letter. I did read the entire letter that he wrote to Olivia, like a public letter 
which I'm like, well, that's a, you know, that's a stunt. And then he wrote in it, he was like, I'm changing all these things for my daughter and you know what really happened here. And then he said something about, you know, the things I'm dealing with with twigs, FKA twigs, is a separate issue. And I'm like, well, you can't gloss over that. You're getting in trouble for like assault and battery. So, you know, we can't Hmm. just gloss over it. I just think that's weird. So he's the only one that I definitely don't believe in the story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I think the um, Florence too not promoting anything about the movie on her Instagram is a little odd, just because she normally will put stuff up about movies that she's in. So I think there's some, there might be a little bit of a story there, but maybe not as big as people are making it. The only other thing I thought of was, oh, I will say in Harry's defense, because we all know how I feel about Harry. Um, Harry and Olivia, if they met at work, a lot of people are like, oh my god, that's so trashy. No, it's not. Do you know how many people meet at work? They say like half of relationships start in the workplace if they don't start in like college or something like that Mm -hmm. is totally normal. So I think that's very weird and kind of a low blow. That's like when people picked on Florence Pugh for dating Zach Braff for so long when he was so much older. And I was like, what do you care? It's not your business. Who cares? So those are my Uh, thoughts. But mm -hmm. anyway, those are my thoughts. Mandy, any other thoughts on Don't Worry Darling Drama? No, I just have a question. I don't know Go how I I know Harry Styles music. I listen to that, but mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever heard him talk a lot. <gasps> I've seen a lot about oh, the accent. His voice is, is the accent in the trailer. The mm-hmm. his actual accent. Yes, I do think he made it sound a little like he might have gone a little lower or slower. Like I feel like the cadence is a little different, but he does have a really dreamy speaking voice. Okay, because that's that's getting a lot of buzz. Is that like, is he trying to be American? Is he trying mm, okay. to be like, what's oh, the deal with his yeah, accent? Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, oh, you mean yeah like yeah. accent, accent, accent. Like, there were... I don't feel like he talks a lot in the trailer except to say like Alice. Uh, he yells I mean, at I've that one that point like yeah. twenty times. You would think I would know more than this. So he definitely has an, a very English accent. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like they, I, you yeah. know what, Mandy? I'm going to send you clips of interviews. Okay. I'll also, send you so the, I'll I can send you the trailer them. that's getting all the buzz about. Like, <laughs> okay. Wait, is that what's going on with the accent? I love Harry. Have oh. I mentioned that I love Harry Styles? I think so. I, I think Thank so. you. Okay. Covered that. Okay. So just making okay. sure it's all out there. Moving on to our recommendations for this week. Um, uh, I don't really have much, honestly. Not really anything since last week. I can't think of anything to recommend. Watch the second episode of House of the Dragon, uh, Game of Thrones series on HBO. That was good. Still haven't finished Only Murders in the Building yet, but did watch another <gasps> episode. Oh. How dare you? <laughs> Sorry. Got two okay. left. Two left. Uh, I watch things very slowly, as you know, if you listen to the show. So, um, so yeah. Uh, Mandy, if you want to go ahead and give your recommends for this week, feel free. Sure. I have two that I was going to mention. Um, one is that... On September 6th, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On will be available streaming. I saw this at the local independent movie theater here um, in Dayton. It is amazing. It's, It's very, it's sweet, it's charming, but it's also really funny. And it's somehow very poignant and it deals with things and like with a surprising amount of depth to it. Mm. So highly recommend it. Um, I would say it's probably more of a rent than a buy. So depending on whether it is available to rent right away, I'm not sure. Um, But 
I love that movie. We've been going back and watching the old YouTube shorts that it was based on. Yes. And, um, treats and snooze and snooze and treats has become a very regular thing in my house. So, <laughs> which is one of Marcel's statements about dogs. That's all they do. Snoozing and treats, treats and snoozing. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to give a little shout out to was Hacks. I just finished season two. Um, Jean Smart is nominated for another Emmy. She won an Emmy last year for it. It's funny. It took a little while to grow on me, but um, Michael Schur and Morgan Sackett are a couple of the producers. And I found that most of their stuff took me a little while, uh, but like Good Place and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Office. And Jen Statsky, who was one of the writers on The Good Place, is one of the co-creators. And it's just a funny, funny show. I've heard it's really good, and I love Jean Smart, but I haven't watched Hacks, so I'll put that on my list. I'm definitely yeah. interested in Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Um, but thank you. Those are great. Mine are not exciting this week. I did want to say, um, people, if I did not mention this last week, I finally succumbed to the COVID. I can't remember if we mentioned it, but I, I had a lot did, of time yeah. to read and watch TV. That's right, because that's I was talking about the books. But um, I watched... Uh, uh, Will and Grace is on Hulu, which is it, it's always been one of my favorite shows. I thought that show was so ahead of its time. Now, some of the jokes I feel like don't they I don't think they're going as well now just because of how we've evolved in a good way, I think, as a nation. And I don't say that usually that we've evolved as a nation. Um, but I love the show still. And it's really uplifting. And just like one of those shows where if you're feeling crummy, it's such an easy, pleasant watch. So I love Will and Grace. I've been rewatching that. And then I am hopefully tonight finishing Girl Forgotten by Karen Slaughter. Karen Slaughter is one of my favorite authors ever, ever, ever. She writes extremely violent, scary books. <laughs> and I I love that. And I've met her in real life. I think I've talked about that too, because I know I've mentioned that her name really is Karen Slaughter. That's not a pen name. That is. So I feel like she was destined to write this kind of uh, material. But this book, I will say, um, if you were into Pieces of Her, which was on Netflix and was a book first, it's the same main character. She's probably my least favorite main character of all of Karen's series because she has different series that she goes through or whatever. But I'm really enjoying the book. And uh, it's been a pretty quick read because I'm very invested in what's going on. So that's called Girl Forgotten. Just came out by Karen Slaughter. Nice. Very nice. So those are our those are our recommends for this week. So we'll move into our discussion now on Midnight in Paris. We should say the reason we picked this movie is because Katie will be going to Paris very soon. I guess we should give the reason why we decided to talk about this one. Yes. And Mandy, it's one of your... Is it your favorite movie or one of your favorites? No, it's one of them, though. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. But we had just... So. Mandy and I had just been talking about it, which was so weird. And I had this stack of all these movies I wanted to watch before going to Paris because I've never been. I've wanted to go my entire life i even borrowed amelie from mandy before to watch before anyway we were talking about it and i was like this will be perfect so when jared and i were discussing what movie should we do i was like oh i know who should be a guest host because we were just talking about this movie so that's why we're discussing midnight in paris today this was released on june 10th of 2011 so it's just celebrated its 10-year anniversary last year and was nominated for four oscars Original Screenplay, Best Picture, Best Director, and Art Direction, and it won for Best Original Screenplay at the 2012 Oscars. It's rated PG-13 for some sexual references and smoking, and it's an hour and 34 minutes long. Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb scores. IMDb is a 7.7 out of 10. 
Rotten Tomatoes critics, 93%. Audience, 83%. So very highly rated between both groups. And then box office-wise, it made $56 million domestically, $151 million worldwide. That is pretty solid for a, this type of movie um, to make $150 million. That's a that's a good amount. So um, if you don't know the synopsis for this movie, while on a trip to Paris with his fiance's family, a nostalgic screenwriter finds himself mysteriously going back to the 1920s every day at midnight. Owen Wilson plays the screenwriter. Uh, Rachel McAdams plays his fiance, and then he is he encounters numerous other actors that play very famous authors, painters, musicians, etc. throughout the film. So, and we have some critics reviews for this movie. First up is Aaron Cohn of IndieWire, who says Alan holds on to his vision of a golden age better than anyone else, even while readily acknowledging that it's just a grand illusion. And the next review is from Candace Frederick of Real Talk Online, who says Midnight in Paris is a very unselfish and lovely approach to inspiration, love, and the written word, a must-watch. And then finally, we have Tom Wong of the Detroit News, who says um, Midnight in Paris is a loving embrace of the city, of art, and of life itself. It definitely highlights the city of Paris. That is that is for sure, especially in the first couple of minutes of the movie. So 2011, uh, yes, I've, I've, I was starting college in 2011. So oh, and I was been... leaving college in 2011. What <laughs> <laughs> a great was, time. I was not. Oh, you know what? You know what? Actually, I take it back. I got my library degree in 2011. Excellent. Oh, very nice. So 2011 was a big year for all of us. It yeah. was. So did Excellent. either of you see this movie in theaters when it was in theaters? Yes, I did. I, I think, think I, I did. I think I did. Okay. Okay. So all three of us, I think we think saw it in theaters. So uh, it's directed by Woody Allen. There's numerous thoughts on Woody Allen. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Obviously, he's made some really good movies. Manhattan, Andy Hall, or Annie Hall, Love and Death, Sweet and Lowdown, Blue Jasmine. He's made a, done a lot of different movies. He's been nominated for 24 Oscars and has more screenwriting nominations than any other writer. And he's won four times. Most of those are screenwriting Oscars. Annie Hall, Hannah and Her Sister in Midnight in Paris. And then he also won Best Director for Annie Hall. He has never won Best Picture, though. None of his movies have ever won Best Picture. Um, and next up, it says he will direct a as yet untitled Paris project. So obviously that's the sequel to midnight in Paris, like, you know, 4am in Paris or something. So, and you know what? I love Europe. I'm like a hardcore (laughs) Europe fan. uh, But I do think they seem to accept people that we are like rejecting, like Roman Polanski. We're like, get out of here. Don't ever come back. I feel like Woody Allen. They're like, we'll take you over here. um, Cause we're like, don't come back. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. What is his most recent movie? I'm trying to think. Uh, um, he made a movie with Timothy Chalamet, my little boy, Timmy Tim, and <sighs> Selena Gomez, and they didn't air it. Like, they never, it never released because of the allegations against him. Okay. So. And I forget, I feel like that's New York, I Love You, or To New York with Love or something. Oh, yeah, I remember oh, that wow. movie. It was a New York yeah. movie. It was probably um, going to be good that, if it, but... you know, if it was a lo- going to be released, but... Yeah, to think here. I think it was because it was like the height of it, a rainy day oh. in New York. It was 2019, okay. a film written and directed by Woody Allen, starring Timothy Chalamet, Elle Fanning. Selena, I know Selena was in it as well. 
Um, Because they were starting to promote it, and then they were like, "No, take that down." (laughs) Yeah, I would say he hasn't. He hasn't had a well-known movie since 2013. I mean, Blue Blue Jasmine was pretty popular with Kate mm-hmm. Blanchett, but yep. Midnight in Paris is probably his most popular movie of the last 20 years looking at his filmography here. So, I mean, that was definitely the one that I think got the most most buzz. So, we will uh take a quick break here on the show. We'll come back and we'll talk about the cast and our likes and dislikes for Midnight in Paris. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about Midnight in Paris. This movie has a pretty large cast, lots of actors in cameo roles, though, that only show up for a few minutes. But the couple, the main lead is Owen Wilson, who plays the character of Gil. Yes, Owen Wilson plays Gil Pender. And Owen Wilson, if you ever are confused, I I don't usually get confused about this, but he's the one with the blonde hair. He was born in <laughs> Dallas, Texas. He is best known for the Royal Tenenbaums, Wedding Crashers, Starsky and Hutch, Wonder and the French Dispatch, and he voiced Lightning McQueen in Disney's Cars. In 2002, Ka-chow. he was nominated... Do what? What'd you say? Ka-chow. Ka-chow! From Cars. <laughs> I know. Ka-chow. Yes. <laughs> In 2002, he was nominated for a Best Original Screenplay Oscar for the Royal Tenenbaums with Wes Anderson. And he has many upcoming projects. I was kind of surprised. He has a ton of things, including the TV series Cars on the Road and movies including Paint and Haunted Mansion. I gotta say, where else would you find Cars out? I was just going to say Cars on the Road. It seems like that's a pretty obvious title. Like, yes. Not cars on right. the moon or something. Maybe that's a spinoff. I don't cars know. Cars in but the sea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Owen is not my favorite actor or anything, but I think he is darling in this film. And I really enjoyed him in Wedding Crashers. And uh, Royal Tenenbaums is like one of my favorite movies. So I didn't yeah. realize that he co-wrote that. I didn't either until I was looking this stuff up. So good for him. And then the only other person, I would have highlighted everyone, but this podcast would have been three hours long. So the only other person I wanted to talk about was Rachel McAdams. Can I get a crush alert, please? (gasps) Thank you, Jared. Rachel McAdams is easily one of my favorite, favorite actresses and so beautiful. She plays Inez, which also is one of my favorite names. She is a Canadian actress, best known for Spotlight, Mean Girls, The Notebook, Red Eye, Sherlock Holmes and Doctor Strange. In 2016, she was nominated for a Best Supporting Actress Oscar for her role in Spotlight. And next up, you can see her in Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which I did not know they were making into a movie. And I am so excited. Yes. So excited. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Gonna be great. But I love her, and not that anyone asked, but Rachel McAdams has had two children since we last saw her. Very happy for her. She was, I think, 40 and 41, or 41 and 42, so really excited. I feel like that sends a good message to people in case they're like, it's too late for me. I'm talking to myself. Um, Also, there is an outstanding supporting cast in this film, including Kathy Bates, playing Gertrude Stein, Nina Arianda, Michael Sheen, who dated Rachel McAdams, Kurt Fuller. Mimi Kennedy, Carla Bruni, who was married to Nicolas Sarkozy. Is that right? The French president? Nicolas I don't know. Sarkozy. One of them. Can I, we fact I thought check it that? Was, he, she was with yeah. one of the French she was, yeah. one of the presidents. I don't think it was Sarkozy because so, Sarkozy's <clears throat> brother was dating one of the Olsen twins. My, Mary Kate. Yeah. <laughs> 
I love this. Anyway, well, there we'll fact check that. Also, it was this, it. She was, it was married. She is married I to Nicholas Sarkozy. So. Good call. I did not realize. I thought so. Yes, and she's a model and an actress, and she's fantastic. And then this movie also has Allison Pill playing Zelda Fitzgerald, Tom Hiddleston playing F. Scott Fitzgerald, Corey Stoll playing Ernest Hemingway, Marianne Cotillard, Adrian Brody as Salvador Dali, and Leia Sadu, who we recently saw in No Time to Die. Very nice. Also that um, I looked while you were going through that and the Are You There God? It's Me Margaret movie is supposed to come out next year in April. So uh, who is Rachel Gosh. playing? Um, she is playing Barbara Simon. So is that the mom? I think that's I believe be so. Mom. She's not playing Margaret. Um, okay. So <laughs> she's I think that is the mom. <laughs> Kathy Bates is also in the movie. So <gasps> what? Yeah. Oh my gosh, this movie's going to be so good. <laughs> wow. Cool. So that'll be out next year. I'm sure the trailer has got to be coming out for that soon since it comes out in April. I feel like yeah, we'll be getting a trailer out. here in the next couple months. So yeah. I will be on the lookout. I'm me this is amazing. too. <laughs> so let's talk about some likes for Midnight in Paris. Um, first up, the opening of this movie is kind of just like a bunch of different scenes of Paris, locations, famous spots uh, with some very great music playing behind it. And it's really just like it could be the tourism video for Paris, honestly. <laughs> I'm saying, I mean, you take the first four minutes of this movie and I would watch it on loop. It's just it's cozy. It's inspiring. It's like to me, it makes me think about uh, like the first 10 minutes of Up where you cut it off and it's its own little yep. short film. Yes. That's the first four minutes of this. I would just watch this and it's like a day in the life of Paris. Yes. And it's romantic. It's everything. It's everything you want Paris to be. It's the music. It's the people. It's the fashion. It's the locations. Everything I want in Paris, that is what it is. I And also, I think a lot of times when... I think that harkens back to older films, too, where they had, like, titles and everything. And they yeah. showed people's names. Like, Gone with the Wind was, like, 10 minutes of the sounds, you know, and people's names. And I I don't always think that's interesting. But I think the way Woody Allen did this was beautiful. It was perfect. I agree it with was. you, Mandy. I could watch that loop on repeat. I could fall asleep. That could be, like, whale calls or whatever that Sock says that in Lightyear. <laughs> like, that could be the sound I fall asleep to is the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Um, another like for this movie is that this movie obviously features a lot of historical characters and the actors that play those characters do a really good job. Um, Corey Stoll as Hemingway is really good. Adrian Brody is really good. Kathy Bates is really good too as Gertrude yes. Stein. Um, yes. All of them just really do a nice job with those historical characters that obviously you know you know backstory on when you watch the movie so it's not like they can totally just make up how they act those characters unlike you know owen wilson or, or rachel mcadams who are playing characters that we don't know so they can kind of they're open to interpretation more these historical figures really are not but the actors that they chose to play those historical figures i think works there's not one that i'm like this is a bad choice for this person really Yes. And well, and uh, I agree with Mandy. I know on a lot of the performances we think are like all star spot on performances in this movie, but I can't believe the cast, like the people they picked to portray a lot of the historical figures are so spot on. And the one when Mandy and I were just talking about it, like on our own, uh, we both rave about Corey Stoll as Ernest Hemingway. I feel like that's what Hemingway was like, except Corey's a lot better looking and sweeter. 
<laughs> yes. And but that it's it's, that, it's outstanding. Yeah, that scene with Hemingway too is probably one of the best in the movie. That yes. time when he meets Gil for the first time, um, and he's there with F. F. Scott Fitzgerald, played by Tom Hiddleston. Um, that's probably one of my favorite scenes in the in the whole movie. So, and they met uh, in the Dingo Bar. It is now called something else, and it's an Italian restaurant. I'm going there because I was like, I have to go to the spot where F. Scott Fitzgerald met Hemingway. I hate Hemingway. In every sense of, I hate everything about him. I, I don't like his, his writing. Books. I, I, I yeah. hate him. I hate his face. I hate his misogynistic tendencies. I don't care that he killed himself. I hate everything about him. Sorry, I should have done a trigger warning for that. Hate him. Hate him. But love Corey Stoll. Yep. But give me Corey Stoll portraying yes. Hemingway. I am. I am here yes. for it because it is true and it is honest. True. And do you want to is... fight? Do you want to box? <laughs> and also. Um, Hemingway, I think part of the reason I am aware that I am, this movie was like tailor made for me or someone like me because I am such a Francophile, but also I am so invested in the people like that were alive at that time. Even all the drama, like everybody had Scott and Zelda had a very tumultuous relationship, but I'm obsessed with them. I want to read every book ever made about them in Paris I plan to go to basically every spot they ever visited because and even though I think Fitzgerald was kind of a pretty bad guy for the most part I I just want to go everywhere they went um but I think that is a big reason why I love these characters because I think some people might not know like Alice B. Toklas or that she was with Gertrude Stein and that they were lesbians but they were able to be like free about it in France whereas at the time and like liquor even if you didn't know a lot about that time period or why people went to Paris and stuff, the lost generation, it was because like people couldn't drink in America and they couldn't party or enjoy themselves. So they went to Europe. Makes sense. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, Mandy, I'm sorry. Did you have anything else oh, you wanted to say about those characters? I don't want to steal from you. Oh, you're not stealing from me. No. Um, no, the other, the only other thing that I'll say is that I don't think I've ever liked Adrian Brody in a role or in an interview ever, except for, Dolly. I mean, Dolly. 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 It's so funny. I cannot say the word rhinoceros without thinking of him <laughs> saying rhinoceros. I, he's so spot on. I went to the mm-hmm. Dolly Museum in Florida a few years ago, and the whole time I was there, I could not help but think about Adrian performance, Adrian Brody's performance of Dolly. Yes. Yes. And I think Tom Hiddleston did a charming F. Scott Fitzgerald. Like, I bet Fitzgerald was that charming. He just also was abusive and a drunk and had his own demons. Yeah. And this was the first thing I had ever seen Tom Hiddleston in. And so when I started seeing him, like, as Loki, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Hold on. That exactly the same, Mandy. This was the first thing I ever saw him in. Yeah. So it was, I was very impressed. I would say uh, a like for me as while we're talking about the characters is I do enjoy Owen Wilson's character. I think he with the rest of the group that he's with, he has such this like wonderment and kind of awe about Paris and how much he enjoys the city while Rachel McAdams and the other two um, characters that they hang out with a lot. And the parents are just all like, yeah, we're here and it's fine. And you know, whatever. But Owen Wilson's kind of like, yeah, but we're, we're in Paris, you know, there's so much to explore and there's so much to discover. And this was a, you know, even the part about like them not wanting to walk in the rain with him. And he's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't mind. We're in Paris. I feel like that's, 
he's a really good person to play that role because he's kind of like that naturally in terms of like just that's his personality and i think it works well in this movie in terms of being the guy that's like just in wonderment and awe about everything that's kind of going on owen wilson makes so much more likable of a woody allen than woody allen ever could yes yes Yes. (laughs) and i mean all the best woody allen movies are the ones where woody allen is not in it yep but owen wilson just he he does he conveys that kind of bumbling uncertain quality with charm instead of smarm yes yep i would agree so um, while we're talking about the characters, um, obviously we have the character of Carol, who this is going to be a, di- a dislike is because Woody Allen doesn't really write female characters very well in his movies. Um, but her character is really good. Um, and uh, Nina Arianda, who plays her, doesn't have a lot of screen time, but she does make the most of that of that screen oh, time in her limited role. Man, she does. Like the... Yeah. Just from the introduction at the restaurant, when she's saying that we're, go- you know, he's going to be teaching at the Sorbonne, Sorbonne, and we're going to Versailles, Versailles, Versailles. and it's just you just instantly know from the way she does that that she wants to be right and she's insecure, but she wants to she wants to show and project that she's smart, but boy, she's not sure if she's saying things right, mm-hmm. and she just. She makes them, Nina Arianda makes the most of that, that role. Um, When they are at the, when they're at the wine tasting and she's talking about like, well, Paul is clearly like, he's, he's an expert in wine. Paul knows everything. Paul knows every, Paul knows everything. He's a marvelous dancer, but she's talking about this wine. Well, Paul picked it out, of course. And then he just kind of does a, hmm, what, what, ooh, what is it? I'm waiting on your every word. And like the Woody Allen of it where every woman has to be like there for mm-hmm. the man. But it, that's annoying. But she does so well with it. I just, I adore her performance in that movie. Me too. Good I call. Would, I would say another like for me too is I really like the costumes in this movie um, and the wardrobe. It's all the historical figures. It's very well done. I like that they dress Owen Wilson in more casual outfits the rest of the you know the fab four if you will that crew is always wearing like something fancy and they'll just throw him in like khakis and a long sleeve t-shirt or something um i think that you know adds to that that character in terms of like just kind of being the one that's just there for the ride and just enjoying the vacation and everyone else is more up and it it makes sense by the end of the movie because obviously spoiler alert um him and rachel mcadams break up and he realizes they're really not a good match and he's really not fit for her and they have different views and a lot of different things but i like how they kind of they portray that a little bit through the through the wardrobe and the and the costumes in the movie and I feel like there's not really throwaway characters in this movie. Um, I agree because we, I agree with Mandy. There's a dislike coming up where some of the characters, we don't feel like they're fully realized or whatever, but I feel like everybody in it really, all the actors that played them really embodied who they were trying to embody. Like the parents, Rachel McAdams' parents in the movie, they, you know, we don't see them very much, but they're hysterical. They are, they are the rich people, America. We all want to hate them, but we all know those people. And Rachel McAdams, even, she's like, 
Regina George on steroids at that point and you hate her, but you're also like, oh, but she's so pretty and rich and uh, she just, she sucks and I love her so much. <laughs> I just can't get enough. I love these. And I hate yes. Michael Sheen is so good at being oh that smarmy. God, she's good so at that. Smart. Oh, I'm so smart. I love myself and I am so smart. And I'm like, I want to pu- push you off the po- Pont des Arts <laughs> bridge, but I won't. Oh. Yeah, imagine going to Versailles, one of the which I've been to, one of the most beautiful places probably in the world, and then okay. you have somebody like the Paul character who's just you've got to walk around with the whole time I'd telling you everything him. about everything. Oh <laughs> yeah, I well, and I love the interaction at the Rodin Museum where and then when Owen Wilson makes yes. that like I just read this two volume <laughs> <laughs> and Michael Sheen argues with the tour guide, and I'm like, I dated people that were uh, like yeah. that. That they're like, oh. I want to. There's one person in particular that I'm like, did they ask him about his life experience and then base Michael Sheen's character off of him? Because <laughs> he would do that. He would like argue with waiters and people, and I'd be like, what are you doing? I know this paints me in a bad light because why did I date him? But you guys, sometimes you just got to pass the time, you know. <laughs> that's, that's true. So um, we have a few more likes before we move on to dislikes. Kind of all of these kind of mesh a little bit into one, but we've talked a little bit about the locations and it's a warm movie um, and and the soundtrack and all that type of stuff. But those are all things that obviously elevate the film. I think the only thing I wanted to say about the soundtrack too is, you know how you can um, look in Spotify and stuff and you can be like, I want classical music or I want like, sweaty high school there's like a sweaty high school kids dancing in a gym or something and it's a great soundtrack it's like everything from when i was in middle school um but uh i think the soundtrack is one of those ones that so many of the songs from this particular movie pop up on playlists or on like instagram reels and stuff like that people who don't even speak french or know who the french artists are that are singing them i hear this soundtrack all the time not even when anyone's talking about this movie it's a great it's so evocative of just the mood that he's trying to create. And darn it, Woody Allen, he does create a good mood. Yeah. So are we? do we have any other likes before we move on to dislikes? No. I love everything. Except for yeah. Woody, what? so that's it's, a perfect it's, transition. Yeah. <laughs> it's just charming. That is, like, it's yes. just... Yes. Also, I, I don't that. know which one of you wrote it on the on the notes, but um, you know, it's definitely a rewatchable movie as well. I, I've seen this. This was my third time watching it, um, and it's just as enjoyable, I think, as the first time. I think this is a movie that yes. you could watch, yep. come back to a couple years later, and definitely watch again and and enjoy it, even if you know some of the jokes and the storyline and all that. Yeah, and I think part of that is just the the cameos, not of the actors necessarily, but like these historical artistic and literary figures who pop up you catch things each time like the juna barnes reference i'm like oh that's why she wanted to lead there's just so many little nuggets sprinkled in throughout that you pick up on rewatching. i think yes agreed but it's it's aging very well like it's i agree with you mandy i catch something different every time i watch it so let's move on to our dislikes now um the main one being woody allen uh this, this, I mean, you know, he's had some good movies, but he's had a very problematic life, and oh, some of those problematic 
things come into play in his movies as well. Um, so and it, and when you're the director of a film, it's very hard to like separate the man from the movie. Yes, I mean, that's easier to do when it's like an actor or a, a writer or like something. Weinstein, yeah, like, but well, when he produced it, but who cares? He stops. But when right. you direct the thing, and a lot of yes. your main male characters are based on you, if you're not playing them, um, it's very hard to like separate that. Mm-hmm. So. And he's just not a good, he's just not a good person. So. <laughs> Agreed. And Mandy, I, I really liked, I would love to hear what you had to say. Cause you had the most ideas I think for this section, but I agree with you that you're, you're talking about like Woody, Woody has these like particular characters in these tropes that people always fit into. Can you tell us what you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think in per- like everybody in a Woody Allen movie is there to reflect off of Woody or his stand in. And so there's it, in this movie, I think Inez's parents at one point are talking about Gil and they say he lacks substance. And I think it's funny because I like all these characters lack substance because they are there as foils to mm-hmm. the Woody Allen stand-in. But I think the through line that I see in Woody Allen's movies is specific to women, that yep. the women characters have two options. They are either shrewish harpies yep. who don't appreciate Woody Allen or his stand-in for his genius and his affability, or they are young ingenues who just adore him and find him to be a genius and really are just infatuated. And I think this, sadly, if you look at it kind of with a cold eye, it's it falls into that. I mean, Inez is yeah. a harpy shrew. And yep. um Sado's character loves Gil. Uh Mary Cotillard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. And then yep. Zelda, Zelda Fitzgerald was problematic, but I, I love her. And I feel like she had some serious mental health issues that were, you know, understandable. But even her, it's just like she hates Hemingway, which was true, but then he makes her out to be just like some drunk idiot. When I think she had really good instincts and knew that Hemingway was going to negatively impact her family. Yeah. But yeah, Woody turned her into just a drunk idiot. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I agree with you about that. And then if people I don't I don't want to sort or cite anything like just Woody Allen um, (laughs) fell in love with his adopted daughter. So that's an issue in real life. Um, And then he also, there's been sexual assault allegations and yeah, he just doesn't, I don't think he treats women very well either, but you know, he's had famous people like Diane Keaton, who I greatly love, but like, you know, he's had all these people by his side throughout history that I think a lot of things people have let slide because so many people respect and admire him as well. But he, he's problematic. He's gross. He's also not good looking. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I don't understand that. So um, another dislike for this movie is that, as we've already mentioned, some of these characters in this movie that are based off of real life characters in history had some not so shining moments throughout their life. But a lot of that is glossed over in this film or ignored. Now, it's a short movie. It's only an hour and a half. So um, that is, I guess, a, a positive is not super long. But they also to, to not have it be super long, they kind of just edit out parts of these famous people's lives that were maybe problematic like everyone is kind of especially in Gil's eyes everybody is kind of seen as like a god or like just this awe-inspiring figure um um in history and obviously like yeah these people did do great things but they also had issues as well throughout their throughout their life 
Yes. And I agree. I, I don't think like you can't in that amount of time show all these things. And the point wasn't really to get into the intimate lives of Fitzgerald and Hemingway and Dolly and all these people. But like all of them were having affairs. Everybody was abusing alcohol. People were getting in fights. People were just making poor choices, losing children like Zelda had miscarriages. There was an abortion. I mean, there were like so, so many things they just glossed over. So it wasn't because I even remember I fell for in 2011 when I was watching this, I was like, all I want to do is graduate from college and move to France and like live this life when this life wasn't even like this in the 1920s. And it ultimately led to a lot of people's demise and it didn't last. And there's a reason they were also called the last generation, not the thriving generation. So anyway, I just I I know I understand why they couldn't get into that. But I do want to let people know if you don't know a lot about that time period, it wasn't as beautiful and perfect as the film and nostalgic and charming as the film makes it seem ironic <laughs> yeah <laughs> so before we move on to our scores one thing that we didn't i wanted to mention that we didn't talk about much is just the time travel aspect of this movie obviously rachel mcadams loves herself a time travel movie um <laughs> so i what did you both think about the time travel in this movie i think it works for the most part there's some questionable things like how does he get back to you know real life and when does that happen and it seems like the perfect amount of time happens before he has to go back to like you know the real life present day so i think some aspects of it work but i think other things are a little wishy-washy and it's not a science fiction movie so it's not trying to be like perfect but uh, it is an interesting concept for this movie that they are going like back and forth in time so it's so interesting that you raised that because I rewatched this over the weekend with my husband and one of my daughters and we ended up, we've watched this movie together. I don't know how many times. And it was the first <laughs> time I discovered my husband doesn't think that he actually traveled through time. He thinks it was all in Gil's head. Like what? <gasps> okay. Whoa. <laughs> I know. Um, so I think he did. Cause otherwise, how do you how explain the detective who ends up at Versailles? <laughs> Versailles. Uh, Versailles. Versailles. So bon. So bon. So bon. So bon. So bon. Uh, oh. Uh, no, so I, there's, there's just like a, for me, it's just kind of like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And how does, but I don't know that it had to for me. It was one of those things where I was perfectly willing to suspend disbelief because it's so dang charming. Yes. But, but then I did like start to really get lost in the whole like, did he really? Uh, yeah, I know. like fun. It's like all these movies that trick us, like The Sixth Sense and stuff, or like Fight Club like, things. Like we're like, did but did they did? I love that you, you went you know. to like Fight Club, and I went, I was like, yeah, like Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> did she really go to Oz? Well, and uh, I, Mandy, I agree with you too because I don't always love paranormal things and I don't always love time travel. I think a lot of times it's poorly done, but I agree with you. This film is so charming. I didn't question things about how does he get there and how does he get back. I just thought, oh my gosh, if I could go back to the 1920s in Paris, like, you know, that's rain. that's all I think. Yeah, that's all I think about. I did look up where he picks up the car though and the stairs and everything. I'm going to go there too and take a picture. So I'll hmm. be sure to share that with you. But I've been to that bookstore. Anyway, that I. I love do what I've been to that bookstore that he goes to Shakespeare and company Shakespeare and company. I've got yeah. that on my list. Yep. Yep. I mean, I'm yep. never going to miss a bookstore. And I got lost in Paris and randomly found the de detective agency. She did. It's real. <laughs> it's real. Okay. No, it's real. Mandy told me that. And I was like, no, it is. Yeah. 
Only but I know because we got lost. Perfect, just like the movie. But exactly. I do think I think he travels back in time, and I'm not bothered by it at all. To answer the question for Jake, okay. same. So cool. We'll move on to our scores now for Midnight in Paris. I believe I am first this time. So, yes. um, I'm gonna give this movie. Katie is intently staring into the camera while I. You can't see it, but I'm about to I'm give my grade. About my, I'm thinking about mine too. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go an 83 out of 100. I do really enjoy this movie. I think it's it's good. Um, I like the concept. The concept, I think, is the thing that sells it for me. It's such an interesting concept that you don't really see in a lot. And there hasn't really been a movie like it since this has come out where, you know, there's been, I guess, movies where people go back in time, visit historical figures or whatever. But this is so kind of unique in its way that it does that. So, yeah, 83 out of 100 for me. Wonderful. I'm definitely going higher. This is one of my favorite movies. Uh, consistently has been. I'm giving this 94. I think it's almost perfect in my eyes for for watchability, entertainment value. Um, I love the storyline, love the characters, love the acting, the music, the costumes, all of it. Really, the only problems I have are things to do with Woody Allen, like the tropes that Mandy was discussing that I agree with and that women only fall into certain categories and that Woody Allen directed it. But other than that, this is a great film for me and it's exactly what I want in a film. Nice. Okay. The Giving a score stresses me out. I know. But- it stresses me out every time. <laughs> and since you listen to the podcast, you know that I instantly regret my scores and then I always want to change them. It's a mess. Right. Okay. So no I'm pressure. Say, no pressure. I know. Can I change it? Um, so I think I would go with a 93. Um, so I, I think it is such a solid movie. I love the kind of the reflection that it creates of like, Ooh, do I fall into nostalgia or golden age thinking? I love, but I also love that it does that by letting me steep in the nostalgia for an hour and thirty minutes. Um, there, there are some things that kind of bug me with the women characters and the one-dimensionality of some of the side characters. But I also like if it is a comfort movie, it is a charming movie, it's a cozy movie. It's just the kind of thing that I love to turn on when I just need something escapist. So 93. Cool. There you go. That's our thoughts on Midnight in Paris. Um, And you can follow the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. Just search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook. You can find us there. Our letterbox profiles for Katie and I are in the description of the episode. So you can click there and uh, follow us on Letterboxd if you would like. And be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen as well. Mandy, thanks so much for being on the show today. Hope you had fun. I had so much fun. Thank you guys for having me. This was amazing. You were wonderful. Let's do this again. I'm in. This is great. uh, Next episode, we don't know what we're covering yet. We'll figure that out um, and we'll let you know, but we're unsure. Movies are in a theater. Movies are in a weird period right now where there's just Mm -hmm. not a lot out in theaters. So uh, hopefully something will come out here in the next couple of weeks and we'll we'll have that for you. But uh, until next time, we don't know what we're doing next. So uh, just wait and see. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.